If you're looking for a way to help birds or take your support to the next level, this May, I would love for you to join the Birds Canada Birdathon. It's easy to participate in and helps raise thousands of dollars for bird conservation. Learn more at birdscanada.org slash birdathon. Now let's get to the episode. You're listening to The Warblers, a Birds Canada podcast. I'm Andrea Gress. Join me and others as we travel on common flight paths with our guests, gaining insights and inspiration from the world of birds and bird conservation in Canada. This is The Warblers podcast. Welcome back to a new year and to our fourth season. Unreal to think about that. Thanks to everyone who's been coming along with us on this ride. If you've been listening for a while, you may have noticed that when we can, we try to release episodes that are timely, like our spring birding episodes where we get all amped up about the spring weather and the return of the birds. But what happens in January? Some of you may be familiar with the term Blue Monday, the third Monday in January. It's considered by some people to be the most depressing day of the year. Many folks are coming down from the holiday season, the days are cold, especially here in Canada, and pretty short, so there's that lack of sunshine that can be, you know, pretty rough on all of us. This episode is hopefully going to tackle some of those feelings, make you feel a little lighter and inspired to get outside and go seek out the birds that spend their winters with us. We have two guests today. Dr. Melissa Lem is a Vancouver-based family physician who also works in rural and northern communities within Canada. She is the director of PARX, which is Canada's National Nature Prescription Program, which is powered by the BC Parks Foundation. She's also the president of the Canadian Association of Physicians for the Environment. Today, she'll be giving us some really interesting insights into the nature prescription program and the science and driving motivations behind it. Also joining us is Melissa Hafting. Yes, we have two Melissas on the podcast. Melissa Hafting is an ecologist with a strong passion for bird conservation. She runs the BC Rare Bird Alert website and founded the British Columbia Young Birders Program, which we'll learn a little bit more about today. Melissa is a big advocate for birding as a tool for our mental and physical health, and she'll give you some great tips for tapping into the winter birding potential this January. So both of our guests are very keen on using nature and birds as a way to improve our health, but they've both gone about it in slightly different ways. To start us off, we'll hear first from Dr. Melissa Lem. Welcome to the podcast. We are so excited to finally have you on. Uh, Birds Canada became familiar with your work during the 2022 Canadian Museum of Nature's Inspiration Awards when you won an award in the adult category and, and our podcast also won an award. So, you know, it was really, really cool to see and learn about your work and how we're all kind of trying to inspire people to get outside and enjoy nature, but using totally different methods. So your award recognized you for leading the launch of Canada's National Nature Prescription Program, or PARX. Could you tell us a little bit about that? This is Canada's National Nature Prescription Program, and we launched it in November of 2020, initially in British Columbia, and then since then have spread to every province across the country. And it's a program where any regulated health professional in any province in Canada can literally prescribe nature time to their patients to improve their health. And this is a process of sitting down with a patient whom you know and figuring out 
what kind of access to nature they have in their neighborhoods, what their abilities are, what their interests are, and then coming up with a plan together for how to incorporate nature time into their everyday lives. We have a standard recommendation that you spend at least two hours in nature, at least 20 minutes each time to maximize those health benefits based on some recent research. And it's really taken off across across the country. So really nice idea. I feel like some listeners are probably thinking, what? Like, just, just go outside. But it's not always easy to find time to go into nature, especially if you have to seek it out a little bit. So my understanding is the prescription program really helps people give themselves the time and prioritize nature, right? That's right. There is evidence showing that when something is written down as a prescription, it gives it extra authority. You can think about the last time you went to uh, your family doctor or a healthcare practitioner, often a lot of advice, a lot of different recommendations come at you at once, and it's hard to remember them all. So the act of actually physically writing something down and handing it to the patient or emailing it to the patient if it's a virtual visit really helps them remember too. And as you mentioned, gives them permission to prioritize nature time as part of their healthy lifestyle. We hear a lot about how we need to make sure we eat a healthy diet, that we sleep enough, that we're exercising regularly. We want nature time to be that fourth pillar of health, just as important as all those other lifestyle measures at maintaining and promoting a healthy lifestyle. Absolutely. I love that. So what inspired you to begin prescribing nature to patients? And how do you see the program growing and evolving? My connections to nature really go far back to childhood. And I think this is a, a pretty common story among many people who love the environment. I grew up in the suburbs of Toronto in a majority white neighborhood where I was frequently bullied and uh, subjected to racism. And it was really in green spaces in my neighborhood, whether it was the park down the street, whether it was um, Rouge National Urban Park, or even my father's traditional Chinese vegetable garden in our backyard, it was these places where I went to escape from the world when I felt like it was too much. My first job was as a full-service rural family doctor in northern BC, and it was an objectively stressful job where I was in my mid-20s and had to run the emergency department on my own uh, with maybe a couple nurses for nursing support, where I had to take care of sick, acute inpatients with no specialist backup. Um, but I think looking back now, the reason why it was such a great job was because I was just absolutely immersed in and surrounded by nature. My commute to work was not jumping in a car and, and driving down the road. It was walking past the hospital garden and picking mescaline from my row and looking at mist rising from the Skeena River in front of Stikiodin, the huge mountain um, in, in that part of the world. It was just a way to completely de-stress on the way to work and on the way back from work. It was moving back to Toronto where I was where I was born, really down to downtown Toronto, when I first experienced what I what I term my own nature deficit experience, where suddenly I was surrounded by concrete and skyscrapers instead of forest and, and bears and mountains. And feel and I felt really edgy, even though the work itself was quite a lot easier. And that led me to discover this whole body of research behind the health benefits of nature that I had no idea about until that point. Right. So it was experiencing that contrast, kind of going from a more natural area to somewhere very urban that helped you start pulling these pieces together. 
So how did that new knowledge grow into the prescription program? Fast forward to my work at the BC Parks Foundation, I connected with them around 2018, and they were really interested in launching a national nature prescription program, which is an idea that I'd had for a long time, but didn't really have the infrastructure or support to make it happen. And it was really working together with the foundation that made the nature prescription program happen. Um, and it's, I, like I mentioned, it's been a great ride. I, I'm really grateful to the BC Parks Foundation for all the support and work that they've provided to help make this program happen. A lot of people in Canada are in really urban environments. And if they've never had the opportunity to really, really be immersed in nature, it's hard to make that connection. You know, they might go up to a cottage and be like, oh, yeah, this is great. But they're also on vacation. Maybe they're disconnected from their phone. They're with friends and family. So of course, it's great. Part of that is the nature though, right? That's part of why a trip like that feels good. Um, but for you, it was it was moving out to a more remote part of BC that really, really helped to solidify and, and click that in place, right? That's right. It was that contrast between a really nature-rich environment and then a nature-deprived environment, really, that that brought that research to light for me. But I think you bring up something interesting is those social connections. Spending time with family and friends in nature has been shown to really enhance those effects when we when we socialize together and we have meaningful experiences in community and nature. Um, that's a really valuable part of the whole experience as well. That was Dr. Melissa Lem giving us some insights into how the Nature Prescription Program came to be. I love what she was saying about the value of combining experiences in nature with social and community connections. It really ties in nicely to what Melissa Hafting has to share about her experiences in the birding community. Melissa Hafting is a pretty big name in the birding world. She started birding at a really young age, and it grew into so much more than a hobby. One major contribution to the birding community was Melissa's role in creating the BC Young Birders Program, a perfect example of nature and social connections coming together to bring a whole lot of joy. So here's Hafting telling us about why she started the Young Birders Group and what benefits she and other birders have gained from it. Well, it was important for me because I saw these super talented young birders that were birding on their own every time I went out. I kept running into more and more of them on my travels and got to know them individually. I started to mentor them one-on-one. -on -one. And then I started asking them if they would like to get together and form a group with me where they can meet other young birders and I could take them on like fun field trips to see birds they don't normally see like in their own backyards and cities. They were all super keen about it. And my trips filled up every time I posted them and listed them. So they were they were really eager to learn and they taught me so much. And it was so inspiring to see their passion for birds and bird conservation. Um, many of the graduates have gone on to do studies in ornithology or environmental science. So I think that they have benefited and uh, they've, they still stay in touch with me and we go birding together still as adults. And they tell me how much the program meant to them, and many of them are still friends with the youth that they met in the program. So it's helped to create lasting friendships between the youth and find meaning in their lives and careers to help protect birds and wildlife. And it's brought so much to my life, so much joy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people think that kids are treating birding kind of like a Pokemon game where it's, you know, counting as many and seeing as many as you can. But it's so, so much more than that, right? Like it's, it is these friendships, these networks, these lasting connections and careers in birding, in birding and nature like that. That is so, so lovely to hear. 
Yeah, it's really inspiring with these youth and they're the ones that are going to be protecting the land in the future. So it's so important to mentor them and get them, you know, keen about protecting the birds and the wildlife habitat. Absolutely. Birds are kind of nice, a, a nice little gateway to get us all really tuning into nature and advocating for it. So birding also really helpful for adults. Let's not forget about us, right? Uh, I've spoken to a lot of people who have found birding helpful for their mental health. Uh, couldn't help but notice a huge uptick in birders during the pandemic, for example. Why do you think birding can have such a positive impact on our well-being? Well, birds can and do help those suffering from such things as grief, loss, stress, anxiety, and depression. And I can speak from direct personal experience. Um, after I lost my mother and then 14 months later, I lost my father, I suffered grief, you know, depression, stress, and anxiety. And the birds helped calm my nervous system. They helped to carry, helped me to carry both my grief and joy and to still see beauty in the world. There was one large study I read done by the University of Exeter, the British Trust for Ornithology and the University of Queensland together. And they found that in 10,000 people that they studied of varying ages, races, and financial incomes, that their mental health was benefited from watching birds. So it showed that looking at birds not only reduced the inflammation and stress in these people's bodies, but it also increased short-term memory, um, clarity of thinking. The studies showed that birds restored their mental energy and even helped to increase vision, their focus, their concentration, their problem-solving abilities, their productivity, and happiness by giving these calming effects of dopamine. And birds really do all of this for me. And uh, they do bring me joy. And I also suffer from uh, an inflammatory arthritis. So when I go out birding, it gives me something to distract, you know, from that physical pain as well. And yeah, when my mom, because she got sick with breast cancer, I became her caregiver. And, you know, it was emotionally and physically taxing and getting out for breaks when I could to watch birds really helped me to you know, be the best caregiver I could be for her. And I think birding is truly, for me, I can say, is an important aspect of my self-care. And uh, now that my parents are gone, I carry them with me whenever I go out birding. We've now heard from both Melissa's about the positive role that nature plays in their lives, whether it's finding a slice of nature to calm a stressful workday or seeking joy in birds when dealing with some heavier things like grief. There's actually a lot of science backing this up, too. Melissa Lem told us about a few more studies looking specifically at the positive impacts birds can have on our health. When it comes to birds, particularly in bird sounds, the topic of, of this uh, podcast there was a really interesting study with with 90 patients who were um, set to have uh, an operation, a minor operation. And when they played them nature sounds, including bird sounds, the night before their procedure, the next day, 30 minutes before their operation, compared to the control patients, their anxiety scores were actually much lower. And then there's also research showing that people who live with areas in areas with more diverse bird species, they're measurably happier. So for example, seeing 10% more bird species increases your life satisfaction similar to a 10% increase in your income. And there are a number of different theories as to why all these positive things happen in our brain. And they have to do with how nature gives our busy, stressed out, urban surrounded brains a rest. We only have a finite amount 
a finite capacity for focus. And when that's overwhelmed by traffic, city lights, crowds, and noises, that that really increases fatigue and irritability in our brains. Whereas nature and bird sounds provide our brains with a break, with this soft fascination that's interesting and takes us away, but doesn't tax our powers of conscious attention. And this lowers our cortisol or our stress hormones and has all kinds of positive effects on both our brains and our bodies. That's all so interesting. And I know you've just picked a handful of studies to share out of so many. There really is a ton of science backing all of this up. So now we're around three years since the launch of the PARX program. How's it going? We have over 12,000 regulated health professionals registered in our program. And this includes over 6% of all practicing physicians in the country. We have nurses, we have occupational therapists, we have pharmacists, we have optometrists registered in our program. It's really impressive the breadth of different kinds of health professionals enrolled. And I'll, I'll give you an example of just the coverage we've gotten. In 2022, we had over 200 unique media articles written about our part prescription program, and this reached over 6 billion people worldwide. Um, so there, I, I mean, the, the, the word is definitely growing among both health professionals and the public. That's so cool. Do you know how many prescriptions are given annually in Canada? There have been over 600,000 prescriptions for nature written by our prescribers. And I think, I think that's pretty incredible. Prescribing nature helps build a community of people across the country who value nature and want to protect it and are aware of not just themselves and their own little orbits, but also how important the environment is for our health. Yeah, I'm just soaking up some of this bird song, feeling my stress melt away. But even better than listening to bird song in a podcast is to get outside and go find the birds yourself. So let's take it back to Melissa Hafting for some January birding tips. What does a typical birding day look like for you in January out in British Columbia? A birding day for me in January looks like, I guess, a pretty short day since the days are so short in winter. Um, but, you know, I try to make the most of it and I get up early on the weekends. I head out the door at sunrise and then I go looking at places like Boundary Bay or Rifle Bird Sanctuary in Delta, where I can see lots of raptors like shorted owls and northern harriers that are flying low over the marsh and searching the holly trees uh, for roosting northern sawwet owls and checking the catkins for winter finches like common red poles. Um, siskins. I also would be looking at the crab apples for bohemian waxwings and pine grosbeaks that like to feed on those. I guess I'd be also looking out for northern shrikes and western meadowlarks on the dikes that overwinter here. And um, scoping out on the shore, looking at the large and diverse rafts of winter ducks and swans that we get. Also, we get lots of bald eagles in the winter on the flats. And looking out for, you know, loons and we have these huge large flocks of dunlin that overwinter here and they fly in those beautiful murmurations which is so calming and awe-inspiring to look at. It sounds like you're doing a lot of kind of habitat style birding where you you know you go to a particular habitat and you know sort of what you're looking for in that area. Yeah exactly I find that that's probably the most effective way in winter anyway around here when there's less species to find if we're talking to someone who has never really birded before, how would you recommend they get started? 
that I recommend that someone who wants to start in this hobby to go out and rent a pair of free binoculars, maybe from their local library, which here in BC comes with a free backpack and field guide, and you can rent that binoculars for 30 days um, and usually renew them easily. But then I would direct them to just go out to their local park and walk around and notice what birds they see and look for movements in the trees and where the bird sounds are coming from in the trees and bushes, and then try and identify the birds that they're seeing in their field guide, what they look like and the habitats the birds are in. And, um, you know, use their binoculars and look at the birds in their own yard. If they don't even, if they don't have a yard, they can also just look at the birds present in their neighborhood because you'll be surprised how many birds live in these urban settings, especially during migration. Um, yeah, you know, you don't need to go far afield to experience that beautiful benefit that the birds bring to us. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a huge endeavor to get into birding, right? You can just sort of dip your toes in and explore your local areas and see what you get, you know, and that's that's kind of nice about it. Mm-hmm, exactly. For folks that are, are maybe more experienced birders, they might be seeking out rarities. I'm wondering if there's some birds you hope to see at this time of year. And, and like, I don't know, maybe rarities doesn't do it for you. Does that help you get out birding? Yeah, for me, I'll take any rarity when I can. Um, but I sure <laughs> would love to see like, you know, a little or rustic or palaces bunting. Um, mm. I, ru- <laughs> I run the BC Rare Bird Alert website, which it's a website that informs birders in the province where the rare birds are located. Mm-hmm. So I'm a huge twitcher, that word, or, or somebody that chases rare birds. So yeah, when a new bird shows up that is a life or I can't, I can't get out the door fast enough. And, you know, I love chasing rare birds that are new to my BC list. And, you know, I think it's a fun adventure traveling to see these vagrants that are not normally found in BC. I've been up to places like Bellacoola for Crested Caracara and over to Kitimat for a gray-tailed tattler. But I also love the thrill of just going out birding and finding my own rarities. Like I found a curlew sandpiper at one of my favorite birding spots that I was telling you about Boundary Bay and um, where it's an important migratory bird area stopover for shorebirds. Also found a common ring plover in that same bay and some other things like snowy plover. But, you know, it's just a bonus when you're out birding and you find like a provincial rarity. But saying like all of that, I, I am also really motivated to get outside and just get out and look at our common birds that, you know, do the so-called slow, slow birding. Last month, I went for a walk with my dog and I was with my binoculars and came upon this pair of barred owls and no one else was on the trail and it was just me and the owls. And, you know, they're pretty common here, but we connected and the owl was looking at me and proceeded to hunt unfazed. And I watched a catch a vole and then its mate was calling and began vocalizing to each other. And then it flew over to each other and it was just like magical. It's a day-to-day common birds like black-capped chickadees, which were my spark bird, that really, really uh, helped me to get out there and, and give me the most calming effects. And, you know, black-capped chickadees, a lot of people's spark birds, firstly, and they're spotted across the country throughout the winter, chirping away looking, you know, all fluffed up and chonky as they try to stay warm. And I think there's something impressive and magical and lovely to just be able to find those pretty much wherever you go. Yeah, they can instantly turn your day around, I think, from, you know, a, a hard day to just make you feel just uplifted. 
Oh, I don't think I need any more convincing to get outside. Just hearing the sound of a chickadee makes me want to dash out into the snow and seek that sound out in real life. But, you know, if, if you or someone else you know needs a little bit of help prioritizing nature, let's hear from Melissa Lam as to how you can broach the subject of a nature prescription with your healthcare provider. I would bring it up in a casual way during your next visit. I would just mention, hey, I've heard about this National Nature Prescription Program called PARX. Here's the website, and I would love to receive a prescription for nature, and I'd love for you to start prescribing other people nature. And if they do register for our program, they also can have access to all those different benefits like like discounted access to nature venues or free passes uh, for their patients and for you. We do have a collaboration with Parks Canada and other major nature organizations where you can prescribe free annual discovery passes, for example, or a free trip to the Canadian Museum of Nature or 50% off admission to the Toronto Zoo. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing all of these wonderful tips and for bringing the bird science. I love it. I've loved it too. Thanks so much for the conversation. Some really great pointers from Melissa Lem about how to tap into the nature prescription program and some fantastic winter birding tips as well from Melissa Hafting. Now, before we go, another fun way to continue exploring this topic is to check out Melissa Hafting's new book. Yes, I do have a book coming out called Dare to Bird, Exploring the Joy and Healing Power of Birds. It's published by Rocky Mountain Books and it comes out in May 2024. In the book, I discuss how birds have helped me in my life through the loss of my parents, but I also talk about how birds have brought so much joy into my life through the work with the Young Birders program I founded and why it is vital to mentor youth. I showcase my photos of birds from my travels that impacted my life, and I talk about my passion for making birding more inclusive and diverse for all people like myself, especially BIPOC people like myself and LGBTQ plus birders as well. That sounds really fantastic. A huge range of topics to kind of pique different interests. I'm looking forward to reading it. I know that for sure. And congrats. I think that's that's a huge accomplishment to make a book and publish it and get it out there. So so well done. Thank you so much. I, I wanted to leave you with a quote by Carl Schreiner, which to me pretty much sums up the effects that birds have on us, if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, I would love that. So when life becomes heavy and worries pull me down like gravity. I simply look up and suddenly there in the weightless free air, soaring like kites, flitting from branch to branch, unencumbered, my friends, the birds release my soul and I am again free. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that and for sharing your whole, your whole journey and experience. Uh, really, really lovely to have you on. Thank you so much, Andrea. Such an inspiring episode. I suspect that many of you listening have already had these formative experiences in nature or with birds, and maybe without even realizing it, you're also tapping into those health benefits that both of our guests have highlighted for us today. Our episode description has lots of links to keep you learning and exploring. Check out links to the PARX program and a few different locations where you can pre-order Melissa Hafting's book. Both Melissa's are active on social media, so if you want to keep following along with the great work they're doing, follow Melissa Hafting at BC Birder Girl, and Melissa Lem is on Twitter as Melissa underscore Lem, or Instagram as Dr. Melissa Lem. Now, I don't know about you, but I am feeling really energized and excited to get outside. I hope you feel the same way, but if you can't get outside right this instant, I'll leave you with some lovely bird song to close out this episode. 
the Warblers is a podcast of Birds Canada. Our goal is to bring you the information you need to discover, enjoy, and protect birds. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast with everyone you know. Birds Canada relies on the support of donors like you. Visit birdscanada.org slash warblerspodcast to make a donation today. The Warblers is produced by Jody Allaire, Kate Dogleash, Chris Koo, and Andrea Gress, with music by Jose Mora and art by Alex Nichol. Until next time, keep birding. <laughs>